0: Welcome to Trebuchet Talks
1: 2019. You're about to listen to Time and Space, which was recorded at Lalo in Latimer Road on the 8th of October 2019. Time and Space was also the title for Trebuchet Issue 6, and these talks include two of the artists that were featured in the issue. Our guests on the night were digital artist Alex May. He was talking about painting objects in a dynamic space. Visual artist and filmmaker Jordan Baseman, he was talking about psychohorology and radio influenza. And dark matter physicist Malcolm Fairburn, who's a professor at King's College London.
0: So originally from Wigan, in northwest of England. Yeah. Malcolm Fairbairn's f- physics career has taken him to live in many places. You, you were at CERN. Yeah. You left a decade ago to take a permanent position at King's College as professor of dark matter. Uh, well, something like that. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I end up doing dark matter most of the time. It wasn't yeah. wasn't really the plan, but. And most of your work is uh, looking at the intersection of particle physics, astrophysics, and cosmology. Yeah. And uh, but primarily focusing on dark matter. And recently, you interacted with artists to work on a as a curatorial advisor for a season entitled Dark Matter at the Science Gallery of London. Yeah, where you collaborated with Aura Satz for the psychoacoustic place Tuning Interference, Dark Matter Radio. Yeah. So she 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 wasn't the only artist that I uh, that I
1: worked with, but. So I, cu- I co-curated the exhibition, but I also worked with a
0: number of artists, but I guess that's the one that's most amenable for description. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so how, how, what was Tuning Interference? How did it work as a psychoacoustic piece? Okay, so, um, well, first
1: of all, you have to go back to the concept of dark matter. So this is what you're looking at here is an image of dark matter in the universe. If, the thing is about dark matter is it's, it's not really dark, it's invisible. Uh, we shouldn't call it dark. It, you, it doesn't produce any light, so you can't see it. But if you were able to see it somehow, then this is what it would look like on, on very, very large scales in the universe. So each of these intersections, like that blob up there, that would correspond to quite a large galaxy. And each of these little bits are smaller galaxies. And so in between them, there'd be a web of dark matter.
0: If this kind of like a... Rep- what's the percentages, isn't it? 5% of the universe is matter. 25% yeah. is dark matter. Yeah, And... 70 to 75% dark energy. Yeah, let's not talk about the dark yeah. energy, right?
1: <laughs> okay. we, we, we sort of think that it's not that crazy to have dark matter, but the dark energy is crazy. <laughs> we have, uh, but we can't live without it, unfortunately. But yeah, we've got a lot of stuff flying around that we can't see because the reason why I can see you is because there's, there's particles of light called photons that are coming out of the lights and bouncing off your faces and coming to my eyes. But you can't bounce photons off dark matter. It just goes straight through them. So it's invisible. But, but we do computer simulations of what the dark matter should look like in the universe. And it should look like this, more or less, on very large scales. But, so do you want to go to the next slide? Is that okay if we go to the next yeah, slide? Of course, yeah. Just to explain the piece of art. So this is what you see when you look at a galaxy. You, this looks... It's not a brilliant computer simulation, but you should see something disky, which looks a bit like a galaxy... So the, 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 the blue stuff is gas and the, uh, the white stuff is stars and it forms this beautiful disk. But what we actually think is that that's not really most of what you're seeing. And actually most galaxies are sort of little jewels in the center of this much bigger halo of dark matter, and which, which is green for your information. So here's the dark matter.
0: What's that thing? That's a
1: little dwarf galaxy. Uh, so we, we think again. we think there's lots of little galaxies around the Milky Way that are like that. And some of them have got stars inside them, so you can see them. Is Milky Way more like the big one or the little one? The big one. right? And there are little ones that we can see around the Milky Way. And some of them have got stars in, so you can see them. And some of them don't have any stars in. Because when the first star formation happens, supernova explosions happen, and they knock all the gas out. So there's no... Normal matter in there. They're just entirely made out of dark matter. Now, the reason why I'm showing you this is because but what this t- we believe that there's dark matter everywhere inside the galaxy, and in this room, there's dark matter. The ironic thing is, we don't we know the density of dark matter in this room in kilograms per meter cubed, and we know how quickly it's moving, but we don't know whether it's made out of lots and lots and lots of tiny little particles are only very, very few, very big particles and we can't tell because we can't bounce light off it. Mm. But the piece of art that you were asking me about was based upon a simulation of dark matter in a galaxy. So someone had done a computer simulation. Scientists, friends of mine in in Germany, had done a simulation of dark matter in the galaxy uh, and in a galaxy that's quite like the Milky Way. And the idea was that um, you'd sampled uh, 10 positions around the disk of that galaxy and sort of monitored the dark matter in that simulation and how it was changing over time. And the artist, Aura Satz, uh, she converted aspects of the dynamics of the dark matter and what it was doing in the simulation. For example, its motion and its uh, its vorticity, whether there was a sort of a crosswind where that... If you imagine somehow having... Ten outposts around the galaxy, where somehow there were observers who somehow could listen to the dark matter and listen to whether there was, uh, whether, how quickly it was moving, and whether there was a crosswind. It it affected various aspects of
0: the sound. So it was a kind of positional. So it gave a sense yes. of being somewhere in relation to moving sound.
1: So this is this is the piece of art that we developed. To, uh, the, well, mainly aura. That's not aura. That's. Uh, <laughs> Just one of the uh, people who worked at the gallery wearing a nice dress. But um, these are 10 speakers in a circle, and each of them was producing sound. And the sound, the, the timbre of the sound, and the pitch of the sound, and the volume of the sound was informed by different characteristics of what the dark matter was doing at those 10 locations around the galaxy. Hmm. And so, and as you moved around uh, inside this sound, you got a Aura refers to it as a psychoacoustic experience um, about how the, the sounds lead to sort of spatial imagery inside your mind, so in some sense it was a, it was a different way uh, by working with artists we 'd found um, a different way to interact with the data and interact with the simulations that had been made in a very cold sort of rational physics fashion yeah
0: and, um, and it it's quite, uh, it quite a nice piece so. With, with dark matter, they, I mean everyone's looking They're looking for a direct detection, which is kind of direct evidence of it being there. Which so that's is, when it comes back. in
1: and bounces off you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: whereas indirect is where you, I guess, see it bounce off someone else's head and you watch their head move. And there's a reasonable amount so far of indirect data, but not direct. So this kind of psychoacoustic thing it actually fits quite closely within that, where you have an indirect experience of the effect of dark matter moving.
1: Yeah. So just to go back to those terms that you brought up, we have this idea of direct detection of dark matter. And that's the idea that as the dark matter passes through our rooms and our laboratories, we can somehow stop it and sort of make, it, make a machine go bing as it hits it. <laughs> And that's what people are doing all over the world, trying to catch the dark matter in various different ways in that way. But then the idea of indirect detection, as you say, is when you look out into space and you look at the dark matter either annihilating with itself and producing gamma rays or you look at its effect on other things like the motion of stars. And um, there is a huge amount of evidence for its effect on the motion of stars, which is why we think we need dark matter because we... We don't we don't want dark matter because it's a huge problem, but unfortunately we, we seem to need it. And but this um, so that yeah, indeed, this sort of psychoacoustic array of speakers would be a different take on the uh, the way of observing indirectly
0: dark matter, I suppose. Yeah. So with we didn't want to talk about dark energy so i'll I'll can do can do i've written papers on it yeah 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 (laughs) so if i think the the audience is 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 crying (laughs) baying for for discussions of what is dark energy right so dark matter is not really that unusual
1: We already have dark matter which exists, so we know that there are particles called neutrinos that are produced in nuclear reactions, and there are huge numbers of neutrinos streaming through your fingertip whenever you hold it up because of the nuclear reactions that are occurring in the sun that are releasing huge numbers of neutrinos. And you can't see neutrinos, but... so they're dark matter. They they are not the dark matter which is responsible that we're looking for because they're too light and they're moving too quickly. But we already know that dark things exist because neutrinos exist and we've detected them. It's very difficult, but we have done. Um, so the idea is that dark matter is another particle that's like a neutrino that's even more difficult to detect and slowly moving. So it's, in some sense, it's just a bit. It's quite rational to have such a particle, but dark energy is something completely different it's like um it's not a particle it's an energy field that's everywhere in the universe and as the universe expands the dark matter and the normal matter gets spread out and it gets diluted as the universe gets bigger the dark matter gets spread out and there's less of it in any given meter cubed because it's spread out over a larger distance the dark energy it doesn't get spread out. As the universe expands, it's almost like more of it appears to fill the gaps, such that the density in any given meter cubed is always the same. Mm. So it really is some kind of mysterious energy field. Now we, we, we have such kind of energy fields in our in some of our physical theories. So for example, the Higgs field, which we also have evidence for the existence of with the discovery of the Higgs boson, which is essentially when you give the, the Higgs field a smack and it rattles a little bit. That's what, that's what a Higgs boson is. And um, so that kind of thing seems to work. So those ideas seem to work. But the thing is that the, the Higgs field is
0: not the dark energy field. So we, we don't know what that is. Why do you think people have kind of been drawn to the idea of dark matter, possibly because it's got a cool name, as being, as having almost magical properties? so People are sort of pseudoscientifically explaining various things related right. to it. What, what's your imp- impressions of that?
1: Well, I, I, think, I think it's natural for people to put... Um, I, I mean, it takes me back to visiting, um, visiting a museum in Denmark where the Vikings used to have um, this... They've got this gold... Chariot, which is pulling the sun across the sky, right? So the edge of your scientific knowledge or whatever's beyond your scientific knowledge, you always associate with strange things and make connections that are not really true. And then when you learn a bit more about the universe, those things which were previously a little bit magical, they're no longer magical anymore. So the edge of knowledge is always, I think, is always open to misinterpretation by people in society in general.
0: So does that mean you're a wizard? (laughs) Because <laughs> well, you're okay. working. <laughs>
1: yeah, I've, I've I've never encountered a sorting hat, and I'm slightly <laughs> worried about which house I'd be put into. But yeah,
0: I, I just I have a question. Um, cosmologically speaking, there is an idea that dark matter is a kind of a relatively trendy new thing, and older galaxies actually have less dark matter.
1: Older galaxies,
0: right? But um, as you're aware, you know. DSFG 850.95 has radically changed what people thought about that, and that, you know, older galaxies can have dark matter too. Right. What do you think about that? That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a, a very good question. Uh,
1: uh, um, so, I think... <coughs> So, I, I don't really know at what level to answer that question. <laughs> so the, there is, there, when galaxies form... so When the universe expands, everything's expanding. So then you might ask yourself, well, are galaxies expanding? Galaxies are not expanding. They've stopped expanding. They've dropped away from the expansion of the universe. Mm-hmm. And small galaxies, they, they fall away from the expansion of the universe very early. And big galaxies, they they fall away from the expansion of the universe very late. So the very, very smallest galaxies... Do you remember that dwarf galaxy in the the image? That would have formed when the universe was about 30 times smaller than it is today. Whereas the Milky Way formed when the universe was about six times smaller than Mm -hmm. it is today. And the biggest clusters in the universe, some of them are still forming. They're still sort of dropping away from the overall expansion. And actually, the, the first galaxy what the galaxies, the little... So if you look at a very, very tiny galaxy, it retains a memory of how the universe used to be at the moment when it was formed. So the ones, the very, very small galaxies, they've actually got a more dense core in the middle, which reflects the fact that at the moment when they formed, the universe was denser because everything was closer together, which is... uh, I'm avoiding your question. (laughs) I was going to say, so
0: is that why there's less dark matter in older galaxies? I, I don't think there is.
1: So... Very, I don't really understand precisely. So I think in very very old galaxies, by definition they're very very small, and what can happen is that the first waves of star formation can actually blow. Um, what happens is the the baryon. The, the, this is quite complicated the gas can lose energy by emitting photons and it falls into the middle and it forms a very dense core which which the dark matter then falls into yeah but then the gas forms stars and some of them go supernova and those supernova explosions create massive shock waves that blow the gas out of the galaxy and so the potential well that was responsible for keeping the dark matter there is no longer there and the the dark matter flies away and
0: that's why some of the older galaxies don't appear to have as much dark matter in them anymore I'll oh, well, accept that. That's okay. An <laughs> so a, a final kind of more metaphorical question: uh, you describe, or well, dark matter is described as something where we we don't have any uh, direct experience of it. However, we can quite obviously see the indirect experience of it, and through other effects, we're, um, we're aware that it almost needs to be in in some sense for the entire system to work or or physics yeah in a broader is it like art in that respect how do you mean I'm just leaving it open really so um
1: i'm I'm not i'm not precisely sure how to answer that question i mean what, what what we don't really so, like I say, we don't really need, we don't want dark matter, but it, but it happens to exist. We need it to explain our observations. But when you mean, is that like art? What exactly are you pushing at? I think that's exactly
0: it. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Thank you very much. Robert, do we have any questions before we close out? Uh, yeah, uh, it's the the reason you don't want it, and that you find energy even more problematic. Yes, because it confounds the laws that. No, not least entropy, the third, second law. It doesn't so, confound now, entropy. Is, is it not? No. But you say Nothing confounds entropy. Stays. all right. <laughs> but that's why I went, God, and maybe God indeed wasn't part of the problem. Um, that when you said, in spite of the universe expanding, everything else gets thinner, but density stays the same. Of this energy. dark energy. Yes. How, how is that possible? That, that is surely confounding the laws.
1: So, the second law of thermodynamics, you're thinking of the. Conservation of energy, oh, yeah. right? So that's not the second law of thermodynamics. And it and the funny thing is about Einstein's equations is that when you write them, so these are, this is Einstein's equations of general relativity, which describe gravity and the expansion of the universe. Uh, that they do actually allow you to there, as the universe expands. There's a kind of negative energy associated with that expansion. So. You can imagine this dark energy coming out of nowhere and positive energy being created. But the net amount of energy in the universe is always zero because the positive energy which is created by this dark energy makes the universe accelerate in this expansion. And this acceleration, and this is a very, very complicated thing that you don't even learn when you're an undergraduate, right? This is like a graduate course in general relativity. the, the, The expansion that you experience due to this dark energy creates a kind of negative energy which balances out the positive energy. And so there is such a thing as a free lunch. And you're essentially... The first thing that you're taught in physics when you're an undergraduate is that you can't create or destroy energy. You can only change it from one form to another. But when you learn general relativity and the expansion of the universe, you realise there are situations where that's not quite true. And actually, the, the expansion of the universe, the accelerated expansion of the universe due to this dark energy, you can actually create energy out of nothing uh we i, I but, but i can't obviously given what's happening on the strand i, I therefore i'm obliged to think well can i create energy out of nothing to solve you know no we can't because we don't know what the hell dark and en- dark energy is we'd love to so dark energy is really one of the greatest mysteries facing physics and and i think it's fair to accept you could get 10 cosmologists on the stage and ask them what's dark energy and they'd all say I've absolutely no idea whatsoever. We're all completely confounded by it. But, but everybody who I know has spent a long time trying to make the universe work without this dark energy component completely fails. And I've spent quite a few years trying to figure out if it could be our misinterpretation of the universe which is making us falsely believe that this dark energy exists. And, uh, I I don't think it is, but...
0: If it's not, it's a new frontier, and it's not something you fear, but something you're incredibly excited
1: about. Absolutely. (laughs) But it's incredibly frustrating, because I've been excited by it for about 15 years now, and I'm still no closer (laughs) to what it is, right?
0: Um, I think, can we have a a really big hand for... for You've been listening to Trebuchet Talks. Thanks for listening, and if you like what you heard, please subscribe.